0: In Alice in Wonderland, Lewis Carroll created an epic female character. I've always loved her, and I admire that through her misadventures she recognizes that very few things are really impossible. Hello, and welcome to Six Impossible Things. I am your host, Matt Collage and I'd like to introduce you to my humble approach to understanding your creative potential. Every Tuesday, I will share with you thoughts, strategies, and a few anecdotes from my own experience as a creative. We will tread on the heels of Alice into a world of ingenuity and imagination. I hope you'll find inspiration to be creative in your own unique way. It will be a boost to your life in many different aspects, not only in art making, So there's always room at the table. Let's put the kettle on and get this party started. Hello and welcome. I hope that this episode finds you well. It finds me not so well. I have to admit that I have pain. But I'm sure you'll understand. So thank you for your patience. And let's get on with the episode. Despite making gains in your journey, and despite having covered a good amount of ground, you might still feel like an utter beginner. The trepidation that fills the heart of a beginner often manifests in ways that are awkward and worse, visible to everyone around. The nervous tension, the worry of looking like an inexperienced novice, the fear of being judged, well, all of it is real. But... It's also unnecessary to feel that way. I'd like you to save your energy for experimentation rather than use it to protect yourself from potential ridicule. If you think about it calmly for a minute, we are all beginners at some point. We all had a first day, a first time, a first everything. The first time you rode a bike without training wheels, for instance. The first time you drove your car all alone. Underneath all that pressure and anxiety, all that we were faced with was the golden opportunity to learn something new. What a gift that is. In my book, if you stop learning, you stop living. And you don't wish to do that, particularly now when we're just getting started. So why is the beginning so scary? Why all the apprehension? Take a moment. Try to remember your first day in school or at a new job. All the scenarios that were running through your head were full of mishaps. You were convinced that something would go wrong in a catastrophic way. But it didn't. There are exceptions, obviously, but in this case, statistics work in your favor. Or you wouldn't be here listening to this podcast. I wouldn't be here either. That sensation in the pit of your stomach is fear, fear made of many ingredients, not wanting to fail, trying to avoid public humiliation, not wanting to be harshly judged, fear of not fitting in, fear of disappointing someone you care about. You can go on and on, and it is human feeling that way in any brand new situation. If that's your first reaction to finding yourself in the antipathies, remember them, the place where it's hard to get your bearings, be it a new working environment, a new city, a new family situation, or a new social circle, well, you're not alone. Most of us do it instantaneously. I find myself thinking that there's got to be a better way. A way that doesn't give you the jitters and makes you feel sick to your stomach, right? Well, there is one that may help you face new scenarios with a lot less worry. It's called cultivating your beginner's mind, and I believe it's been mentioned before in the podcast. The beginner's mind is a concept that started with Zen Buddhism. There's actually a word for it, Shoshin. It's the ability to drop our expectations and preconceived ideas when confronting any given situation. The theory that everything is best approached as an apprentice would, as if you knew nothing about the subject. It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? But in fact, it's quite helpful to be open to all information coming your way, whether you already, quote unquote, know about it or not. What is the opposite of having a beginner's mind? I don't know, perhaps being a dinosaur or a relic, but I'm kidding. What's true is that you have no ability to pivot quickly or to make changes or to improve when you don't have a beginner's mind. You're stuck in your ways. You lack imagination. You learn nothing from your experiences and you stay in the same place year after year after year. To me, that kind of existence is inconceivable. I would go mad, really mad. But it is a reality for many people who haven't yet considered the possibility that they can be creative and inventive in their own way. Just thinking about that kind of horizonless stagnation makes me despair for people who live like that. Yet I know that there are just escapable, as anybody else to find their spark of creativity if they look for it. They just need fresh eyes and a little encouragement. So let me be your daughter bird. Let's be a beginner together. What do we need to keep in mind? First of all, openness. Knowledge is cumulative. The more open you are, the more you will learn. Learn about things that you have little intention to use right away. That's fine. They might come very handy later on. Or they will spark a new idea you couldn't visualize now. It's like walking uphill. The more you climb, the wider the horizon gets. And the view grows in front of your eyes until it looks like it's going to swallow you. Suddenly, at the top, you see everything. And you can place yourself within the context of that landscape. You know. Where you truly are. A beginner is also humble and flexible. You take in ideas, suggestions and recommendations. Retain a modicum of discernment, of course. Some ideas are just bad from the start and I don't suggest you give anything a go. But some ideas will be interesting and feasible. They will offer you the option of upgrading, and I think that's excellent. We can become listeners. Hearing and listening are two very different skills. When you listen attentively, you catch nuances that otherwise fly by you. The quality of the message being delivered is essential. But not everything is about content. It's also about tone, about delivery. There are patterns to be deciphered. The intention behind the communication is as essential as the idea itself. So you need to be in tune with those nuances. You can also have respect for experience. Whether benign or painful, experience is a great teacher. Experience that comes with age is particularly valuable. Don't discard someone's comments as outdated just because they're older. There might be a golden opportunity for you to learn a forgotten technique or craft that would otherwise disappear altogether. You can become a new link in the preservation of a traditional skill that's about to fade away. The least intimidating course of action is to consider a hobby no financial expectations attached, and you can start doing something creative purely for fun and emotional well-being. I think the word hobby can sometimes have a certain negative connotations, like you're not really invested in the activity, or maybe you don't take it too seriously. But I would argue that it is a perfect starting point. We've talked about this issue before, A perfect tactic is to first, not put too much talk on what other people think about your choice of pastime. If it suits you, it suits you. If it makes you feel relaxed, if it helps you immerse yourself in the activity and put all your anxiety on hold, then that's a fantastic place to be. Do not worry a bit about what other people think about it. Second, let yourself be consistent without being obsessive. We've mentioned introducing new practices before. Hitch it to an existing habit, really. It works wonders. Chances are you can incorporate it to the end or the beginning of something else you do daily. And practicing for as little as 20 minutes at a time, it's therapeutic and you don't have to block off a large part of your day. I've learned the value of sitting down for 15 minutes at a time cutting elements and later using collage. I put them in a box, and then I'm done. Remember that there are many ways to do one thing. The result might be different, that's true, but the technique that you use might differ from your usual, and it's worth discovering a new tool, a new alternative way of doing something. Your way is not the only way, and the larger your repertoire of ideas, the better. Develop as many skills as you can because they're all connected and they enrich each other. Lastly, if you can, find a few supportive buddies and just enjoy yourself. You can do that online these days. Of course, you will not click with everyone. Some people are quite protective of their creative ideas or skills, and they don't understand that cross-pollination is the best thing that can ever happen among creative people. So, concentrate on the people who are open and like-minded with a desire to teach you and to learn from you simultaneously. You'll be able to tell who they are in no time. If you are now wondering which hobbies might be available out there, I can suggest a short list. These are things I enjoy myself or activities that I have on my bucket list. You might want to create your own list and, like a butterfly, go from one to the next to discover which one you like best. That'll never be a waste of time. For instance, I love origami because paper. Give me anything that has to do with paper and I'm happy happy. I've used templates from books and also some that you can find online. You can improve in no time by virtue of practice and repetition the only way there is and soon you'll be folding away without the help of instructions it's very satisfying to make an origami creation all on your own and they are beautiful and deeply poetic i think embroidery is fantastic it requires a lot of dexterity hand eye coordination and patience Remember patience? Yep, that quality I don't innately have, but chase all the time by working on multi layer collages that require me to wait. If you enjoy gift giving, for instance, embroidery might be particularly attractive to you. It is product oriented, although it still gives you the chance to be imaginative and play. Some very talented artists take it to a whole other level. But you can and ought to start modestly. It won't be as daunting. There is a sense of timeless beauty, of tradition and femininity in embroidery. But I would recommend it for people of all genders and abilities. It's for everyone who is detail-oriented, tactile and meticulous. A slow and comforting practice, I think. Photography is another option right at your fingertips. If you're looking for something immediate that requires little equipment, photography might be for you. You might not become Cartier-Verezon overnight, and you don't need to, but if you want to practice seeing with fresh eyes, taking photos is a fantastic hobby. If you have a smartphone, you can take snapshots. Soon, you'll start noticing the light. You'll start noticing patterns and shadows and maybe even interesting compositions. Play around with it and have the photos printed. Do you enjoy nature? Photograph flowers, the sky, or a landscape? Maybe animals? Do you prefer people as your subject matter? Then go for portraits. Make abstract compositions. The sky is the limit. Enjoy looking at the world as if it were for the first time. And of course, there's knitting or can-knitting if you're a Monty Python fan like I am. I tried it so many times when I was growing up. I learned from my grandmother just from watching her. But she was a self-taught virtuoso of the knitting needle. And I only managed to make wobbly squares. Not that it deterred me, because I figured that if you put a bunch of wobbly squares together, you get a scarf. And my dad wore many a scarf that would have been too wonky and too short for anyone else. And he didn't mind because I made it. So give it a try. There's so many tutorials online and it's so affordable to get started. It turns out that knitted squares, no matter what the actual shape, are quite useful around the house. You can make dolls, pillows, blankets. It's all a matter of imagination. Creativity is all about coming up with alternative uses for common items we have around us. And this is your chance to have a little fun with these trial samples you've made. Of course, there are many, many more creative things you could be doing. I don't even know how many there are. More than I can count, no doubt. So don't hesitate to get started today from where you are. You're under no obligation to stay with the one thing be nimble. Move around and explore. Meet me next Tuesday when we will talk about my nemesis, patience. Do you have an issue with it as well? Curiosity and creativity can come hand in hand with a bit of impatience and if left unchecked, it can grow into a full-blown case of anxiety. We don't want that to happen. Challenge yourself as I do to practice patience. It's a learned skill, after all. Alice is still a curious little girl, but she's learning to be more thoughtful and understands that making a mistake once is rather enough to learn a valuable lesson. She has a sharp little brain in that head of hers, and she's about to make a new friend that will challenge her wits and patience with its oblique comments and riddles but we'll get to that the following week. For now, everything feels more settled after a cup of tea. I'll be here next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to 6 Impossible Things. I hope you enjoyed it. Please join me again next week. Subscribe on your favorite app, so you don't miss any episodes and visit madcollage.com for original artwork, exclusive prints, and monthly offers. For extra goodies, please visit my Redbubble store and select your favorite merchandise. You can also help make six impossible things possible with a small contribution so that I can enjoy a lovely cup of tea while I write and edit this content. Have a peaceful and creative week. Take care.